It's hard to pursue something creative if you don't even have the basic needs like food, water, and shelter. That's what Maslow's hierarchy of needs is all about, but it's also true for your customers. You can't delight them if you haven't met their basic desires and needs. That's where Christina Garnett's hierarchy of user delight comes in. She is HubSpot's principal marketing manager of offline community and advocacy. She's also the founder and host of the Fan of the Fans newsletter and show. Today, she digs into the hierarchy of user delight and how she applies it at HubSpot. In this Marketing Pops episode, you learn, first of all, why caring needs to be a core value of thriving communities. Second, the difference between community and advocacy. Third, Christina's hierarchy of user delight. And number four, a career power-up that's helped accelerate Christina's career. By the way, I've created a free power-up cheat sheet to help you apply Christina's hierarchy of user delight to your business. You can find it for free at marketingpowerups.com. Find that link in the show notes and description. Are you ready? Let's go. Marketing power-ups. Ready? Go! Here's your host, Ramley John. We've been binging and chatting about fandoms. I know in another show you talked about how you know fandoms is a great place to like describe how HubSpot. You talked about Hub fans, and yes, this is huge fandom around HubSpot. As there is, well, yeah, isn't there? Like, yeah, there is. It's really lovely to be able to um, kind of take community and elevate it to this different level with fandom, and so it creates such a deeper bond, but they're also able to connect with each other beyond the brand. So our hub fans have this peer-to-peer network where they can talk to each other, they can ask questions, they can connect and have fun opportunities. And so it's really lovely to be able to take our customers and partners who are deeply knowledgeable and love us and, and know what HubSpot can do for them and just be like, how can we pass the mic to them? How can we make them the star of the show? And so it's been a pleasure to be able to to be the person that gets to that gets to offer that to them. I'm very honored. Um, the customers and partners I get to work with daily are just lovely people. I'm trying to connect this somehow to Barbie. How Barbie is like created with worked with other partners to create content. Yes, you've done, you've done something similar with Hub Fans, where you've like enabled this this fans to actually create uh, stuff on their own. Uh, I think I saw something like that. You did you did right. So we have the Inbound Correspondence Program, which is basically we have our customers and partners, our, our hub fans, they go to Inbound and they act the way that most companies see influencers. They're sharing their perspective, their experience, their highlights and things like that. And I think it's a really interesting way for brands when they're thinking about advocacy and they're not sure of like how to get started. Think about how you would handle your influencers. Imagine what would happen if that same kind of love and care was given to your customers they're going to want to be louder for you. They're going to want to create more content for you. And in return, they get to build their personal brand. They get to they get to really level up as creators because of their connection to you. And so that empowerment piece is just so priceless. And so you find that we I, I want to work with anybody who wants to talk to me about HubSpot and wants to talk to me about Hub fans. What do you want to do? What motivates you? Like, what makes you excited? Like, what would you like to do? Because I find that it's very easy to pigeonhole people into this box and say like, okay, you can just do case studies and that's how you love us. And like, some people would love to do a YouTube video for you or a TikTok video or a podcast. We have podcasts um, that are just HubSpotters and HubSpot fans who are talking about their knowledge and like updates and things like that. And so you should, you should encourage that. You should love that. That's, that's fantastic that you have 
you're building a creator community of people who maybe they would love to do that, but they don't know how to get started. And so you as a brand get to say like, hey, we love you back. We see what you're doing. How can we do more of that? Um, one of the things that we have for Inbound is that after our show with George B. Thomas, George B. Thomas, if you've been in the HubSpot ecosystem at all, you know who he is. He's an amazing guy, um, has worked um, agency side. He started his own um, agency now. And he just has this like incredible energy about him, this positive energy about him. And so we have an after hour show with him at Inbound where we do an audio show from six to seven on the first two nights of Inbound to say like, here's what happened today. Like, give us, give us all the details. What did we miss? What sessions did you love? And it's a really great opportunity for people to connect about and kind of like basically what would you do if you met at a bar like right after inbound ended and your head is buzzing with sessions and you're like, I just want to talk to somebody about this. Imagine if we did that and then we offer it up to people who maybe didn't get to come to Boston. Mm-hmm. Now they can they can ask questions and they can overhear and they kind of get a piece of the action with if even if they can't come. And so that that exists because of our creators and our hub fans. Mm-hmm. That sounds like it's like taking the idea of the, the you know the community on the the definition of community on a different level. Where traditionally with audience, you have like this this person who's like talking to to people versus this you're you're essentially enabling the community members to mm-hmm. be the voice. Is, is exactly Absolutely. what. Absolutely, and it's really this level of empowerment. Um, I really like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I've created my own version based off of like customer advocacy and delight. And at the very, very tip top that a lot of people don't get to, it's this empowerment and like basically they get to become their final form. And so imagine if you're a brand and you get to be the person that like, yes, swag is great. But what if you got to give them swag plus the opportunity to speak at Inbound or you got to be able to Yes, you have swag, but you get to be have your own show or you're a part of the podcast network or you're one of the creators or you have a YouTube channel. It's just it's unlocking doors that just would not exist otherwise. But why shouldn't they exist? And why can't you open those doors for people? It's a really powerful way of getting them to that next level so that you're more than just SaaS, like you're more than just a B2B brand. Now you are a brand that is impacting people's lives. Yes, you're growing businesses. And you're helping people do their job, but you're also helping them with their careers and you're helping them become like the idealized version of themselves. What do I want to be when I grow up when like five, 10 years from now? Like, what does that final form of me look like? Being able to be on that path with people is incredibly fulfilling. I'm, you, you brought it up. Like, what is, I'm, I think I missed this, this hierarchy of what, what would you call it? My, uh, Christina's <laughs> hierarchy of community needs <laughs> i it's so i took maslow's so i took maslow's okay. hierarchy of needs right. so it's just this, this little pyramid and right. at the very base it's survival so it's like you need food you need water for brands that's you're doing what you said you were going to do if if you someone signs a contract with you and you're going to give them this product or service in exchange for that that foundation level is you do what you said there's a lot of brands who still aren't doing what they said they would do but they think that they can send like a hoodie and it's going to fix things it's not going to fix things you need to get the foundation first. So do what you said you're going to do. And on top of that, it's support. So it's nothing's perfect. If something goes wrong, are you there for them? Do they feel safe? Do they feel like that they could be taken care of if something unexpected happens? And then from there, you move up. So then now we're talking about love. Now we're talking about community and swag 
and opportunities to feel seen and heard. And maybe that brand likes a tweet of yours or maybe they send you like an emoji back. That's great. But that's usually where brands stop. Like they'll send you a gift or they'll send you a hoodie. And it's like, see, we we like nailed it. We love there's you. more. Yeah, we love fun. you. And that's great. Don't stop that. <laughs> there's more. You can do more than that. And so above that is that final form, that empowerment. What are you offering people? They're your biggest fans. How are you showing your love to them that only you can give them in that way? What does that look like to you? And so one thing that's like one really great example is Troy Sandage, who is um, he's a member of our podcast network. He's a hub fan. He's absolutely incredible. He was a correspondent our first year having the program. And last year, he became our mainstays host. So he's like the MC of Inbound. Who else is going to be able to give him that opportunity but HubSpot? And he absolutely killed it. He did an amazing job. So when we're talking about like opening doors for people so that they can become their final form, that's what we're talking about. Like, how can you have that voice of the customer in places where you would have only reserved that for a celebrity or you would have only reserved that for an influencer? A lot of brands, if they treated their customers, honestly, if all they did was swap their customers with influencers and they treated their customers the way they treat their influencers, just that would make a world of difference. You want to talk about people who will like create content for you for the rest of their life, who will tell everyone they've ever met how amazing you are, that. And people will believe them too because they don't have millions of followers. They don't have that paid partnership underneath. They know that you're doing it out of like sheer love of the brand. And so you have organic, trustworthy UGC. You have diehard fans that are going to be, you're going to have stronger retention numbers. It's just, it's wild. I see all these things where it's like you're sending millionaires places or you're sending influencers places. I was like, oh my gosh, your customers, your customers would give anything to be even like treated half as well. Why can't you do that? Why can't you give that to them? Before I continue, I want to thank the sponsor for this episode, 42 Agency. Now, when you're in scale-up growth mode and you have to hit your KPIs, the pressure is on to deliver demos and signups, and it's a lot to handle. There's demand gen, email sequences, rev ops, and more. And that's where 42 Agency, founded by my good friend, Camille Rexton, can help you. They're a strategic partner that's helped B2B SaaS companies like ProfitWall, Teamwork, Sprout Social, and HubDoc to build a predictable revenue engine. If you're looking for performance experts and creatives to solve your marketing growth problems today and help you build the foundations for the future, look no further. Visit 42agency.com to talk to a strategist right now to learn how you can build a high-efficiency revenue engine or you can also find that link in the show notes and description. Well, that's it for now. Let's get back to the episode. That's so that's so deep. I think that at the very high, it seems like at the very highest level, it's like they've turned from like using the product to being the voice of the product itself. Yep. Is that is that it's also like a as you go up, what do you call that? Christina's hierarchy. Hierarchy of delight. Hierarchy arriving seat. Yeah. All right. So Christina's hierarchy of delight. There's this deeper level of engagement, but commitment as well. Like there, yeah. it's much harder for them to leave now. Can you talk a little bit about the retention piece here? Because once you become like at the highest level of that hierarchy, it's yep. so hard. Your identity is now attached to that brand because now you're mm-hmm. the voice. You're talking to other people. You're talking to your yeah. friends, maybe who are not in tech. About yeah. That. yeah, yeah, yeah. So retention is huge. I think that we've. I think that. I think that retention is essentially like the younger child that's kind of ignored a bit too much. 
but now people are having to pay attention. Everyone's focused on growth, 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 growth. And that is fantastic. But you have to keep the people that you have. You can't just say like, all right, well, we're done with them. Like, that's why that's why the funnel doesn't work. The flywheel is what works. Because what happens when you get to the bottom of the funnel? You get chucked out, like you fall out. And then we don't care about you anymore. Flywheel, very different. We're going to keep you in that cycle. We're going to keep taking care of you, making sure that you're good to go, making sure that you have what you need. And in return, you're going to, there's going to be retention, but also you're going to share what a great experience it was for you. You're going to want others to have a similar experience. And so retention is huge. It's absolutely huge. And so, but how do you get people to stay? How do you get people to stay when people can compete with you on price? When people can compete with you on different pain points? It's relationships. It's connectivity. It's community. It's that's like, how can you be sticky enough for people to stay? Well, you got to take care of them. You got to treat them well. You got to give them opportunities that no one else can. You have to act, absolutely care about them and have it be a part of how you communicate with them, how you talk to them, how you set up events for them, what you do for them, how you are doing your work with their point of view in mind. Like when I'm planning things, I'm always like, what does this do for the Hub fans? Why would they care about this? What does what opportunities does this offer that they don't currently have? Where's the value for them? Would this be exciting for them? Would they be happy? And so that has to be the cornerstone of what you're doing because otherwise you get stuck in what you think is cool. That's not necessarily what they think is cool. Or you might give them an opportunity of like, that's too much time and I don't think that's cool. Or I don't think that's worth it. And so I think the ability to care and deeply understand what matters to your to your customers and partners is going to be huge for you because then you're going to be able to essentially let them pick their own adventure. Like, what does loving us look like to you? And then how can we make sure that you're able to do that? It's something that you tweeted about um, a, f- a few uh, months or years ago around, you know, you could teach somebody to code. But you can't really teach somebody to to care like deeply. Yeah. And that's what like community and advocacy and like retention is all about. Cause sure, maybe they can switch to another product that is lower price, but you there's that risk. Like, would they care about me as much as this people from the from HubSpot cares about about me? That's really the retention piece. Another really interesting thing is you've called them Hub fans, and it goes in, in my mind, like that, attaching somehow their, their identity, part of their identity now to this you know, group of people, this tribe, this community, it, it's not just you're leaving the product, you're leaving your people. Yes. Yes. Is yeah, that what you, you're finding? Yeah. Well, we're finding that like we have really fantastic numbers and our hub fans, like I said, are some of the most amazing people I've ever been able to work with. So I'm very lucky that I, I'm honored that I get to work with them. Um. But I find that they, it's not just me, I, it creates that bridge to them. So now they have, like you said, they have their own tribe, they have their own community, and now they're able to, they're not just asking me for things, they're asking each other for things. Hey, did you see this? Does anyone have experience with this? And what it's done is it's created like a micro community where they understand that like the people who are in this proverbial room with me are power users. They've been using this product for a while. They get it. They like it. And the thing, too, is that they also know that it's a safe space to be negative. So, like, I've had, I, I had a meeting with a Hub fan a couple weeks ago where there were some things that he's like, I just, I need this to get done. 
And I could have easily said, like, sir, we're this is a positive space. Like, we are hub fans and like we are all warm and fuzzy and like we don't have negative ideas. No, I want to hear everything. What do you not like? What would make it easier for you? What can I share with the product team? How can I like I never want them to feel like they have to put on a mask and be like, all right, it's going to be sunshine and rainbows. Otherwise, Christina's going to kick me out of here. It needs to be like, if, if you are a fan and you have negative feedback, I know you're not being a troll. I know you understand the product well enough that you're coming from a space of this could be better. Here is why and how. I want that information. I want to send it to product. I want to talk to our team and be like, this is what I'm seeing. Has anyone else had any feedback about this? All that does is make us better. That makes the product better. And for all the people who have that negative feedback, there's probably 5, 10, 20 people who have a negative experience but probably haven't said anything or they don't have time or they don't, or they don't know how to even engage and figure out who to complain to. But either way, we fix that for one person chances are it's going to fix that same issue for a lot of people. And what does that do? It improves the experience. Mm. And that's not a bad thing. Improving the customer experience should always be the goal. The other piece of that that's interesting is like that one person who was complaining mm-hmm. by, by listening to that person and then turning it into a solution, they're like, their commitment and like wow, wow factor, I guess, yeah. has gone up on a different level. It's like they actually listened to me and like implemented this this problem that I have. So I see that also as a great way to I guess move higher up the hierarchy. Absolutely. But it also gives them a sense of ownership. So I've seen this multiple times during my career here where um, we have something called the Ideas Forum, which is a place for our customers to come in and be like, hey, why can't we do this? Or um, I wish I could do this. This, And sometimes they'll even say like how they would code it. Like, here's how I would actually make this happen. And we've had some of those ideas get approved, get shipped. And then when that person who pitched that idea sees that it lives in like the real world, they have a sense of ownership now. So now they're going to promote that new feature more than like anything an ad could ever do because they're going to be like, I wanted this. This fixed my problem. They listened to me and now it lives in the wild and it lives out in the wild because of me. It got shipped because I asked for it. This is this is my work into the like. How can you beat that? How can you beat that with someone's like, I made, I got to play a role in making this product better. That's very powerful. And I guess that's like the most interesting part. I think this is part of like the advisory council. Is that really what it's about? Like kind of defining maybe the product roadmap or like what they're looking for more? Is that, is, I mean, this is not what at scale or have you cherry picked like ones that are most vocal to help kind of shape this? I talk to everybody. So, and we have different teams who will want to be like, hey, do you want to be a part of a beta? Or, hey, we'd love feedback. So the other thing that's really great about this and our, and our voice, the customer team, is we're able to tap into customers to say, hey, this specific person on this specific team would love feedback on this. What do you love? What do you hate? What would you change? Or do you want to be a part of this beta group where you're testing it and being able to do things? Would you like to be interviewed? Would you like to talk to our product team face-to-face and, and be able to share your experience, good, bad, ugly? And so what we're doing is um, with, every, with every time we're sourcing an advocate for someone, what we're doing is, because a lot of people just see the outside, like they're tweeting about us, they're on Reddit, they're doing a YouTube video, they're doing a TikTok. That's amazing. But they do just as much work internally. 
And so they're helping us improve. They're giving us that feedback because the voice of the customer needs to be very close to what we do. Because if we don't keep the voice of the customer very close, it's very easy and tons of brands have experienced this. You go off in your own way and that's not where your customers wanted you to go. That's not what they needed. And so having that voice of the customer ever present, it's that way to like keep product market fit like always there, which, which you need. That's so good. I think that's just like tapping into how community can really f- like fuel like a bunch of stages in in the in that gold flywheel that you're mentioning about. This is now like talking about how to like fuel, you know, what to build and where to go, and making sure you remain in the product market fit rather than losing that for sure. One hundred percent. When how do people like like? I'm curious if the product. It seems like this hub fans is like such a big part of this um, HubSpot's flywheel. Um, is that promoted right from when people sign up for a trial or like is it much later when they've kind of like proved out that they're using the product? Like I'm curious how actually people, how, how Hub, HubSpot itself promotes uh, Hub fans uh, internally or externally. So it's a little bit of both. So the way that we have our program, it's built into the community so that there's, there's a gamified piece and there's a community piece and you can do one or both. Like I said, I'm very much choose your own adventure. Gamification isn't for everybody and you shouldn't be penalized because you don't want to collect them all, you know? And so um, we, we, we internally work with teams to say like, is there, so if we have a CSM who knows somebody who's like deeply passionate and wants to do more work with us, I'll get brought in and to see like, what are the opportunities that we can work with this person? What do they like to do? How would they like to work with us? And then we also have other teams where maybe they are seeing what's working and what's not working, or they are just, it could be that they're just playing around in the community and they see hub fans in a group and they're like, what is this? Um, we have landing pages so anyone can find it if they're, if they're interested in joining. I also do a lot of social listening. So I'm looking for people who are talking about HubSpot positively or they have an experience that they want to share. And so I regularly are, am touching in with people and being like, hey, I work at HubSpot. I run this program, no rush, no pressure. But if you are interested in doing stuff with us and getting rewarded and having opportunities, we'd love to have you join. And then I give them like all the resources and materials so they can learn up and make sure that I'm not a phony. And then they kind of go from there. I, I, I like how that one-on-one approach you go back to around relationship. I feel like sometimes as marketers, we automate things too much. I can imagine like, oh, if you, if you score, if you gave us a 10 on the NPS, then we instant invite. Is that, does that happen? I'm curious at all. No. No. That makes sense. I don't like, okay. (laughs) I'm, I believe that you should automate some things. Right. But I am like an analog digital girl. Like my to-do list is written down. I have asanas. I have like all the things, but like, I also have my analog. And I believe that that's kind of the world that I live in is it has to be an analog and digital. There has to be pieces that are deeply human, un- unapologetically human. And then there's pieces that are automated. So we have certain parts of the gamified that are automated and set to go, but there's Slack channels and there's emails. And if I see something that I want people to go like be a part of, I can, I can message them and be like, hey, would love your feedback on this. And they also feel that they can tweet me or they can message me. So like, I have people who message me on TikTok. I have people who message me on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Instagram, like all the things. So it's like, they know I live online. Same thing. Like if I see them, I'll ping them. But I, I think it's really hard to like create a relationship with someone when it's so obviously automated. Like for example, let's say that there's an event coming up and you want people to feel like a VIP. 
So you send out this email list and it might be 30, 40, 50 people. But you say like, I'd like to personally invite you. But then I look at the way it's constructed and I know that this, like, I'm on a list. How can this feel intimate if it's so obviously a part of a workflow or something else? And so with AI and all of these things that are happening right now, especially in customer marketing, when you're, when your work, really the, the fruit of your labor is relationships, you have to be very thoughtful and protective of what is automated and what is human. Because that is what's going to get you to the next level. That's what's going to build those relationships. So the first time someone, you get an automated email from somebody and you're like, I've known this person for five years. Like, why are you talking to me like we've never met? Like, we've had, we've had right. drinks together. What is this? Yeah, right. Yeah. It immediately, like, you, like, it immediately like, makes you question. Like, I, I, I thought we were closer than this. What is, mm, what is this? That yeah. hurts a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that just having that really empathetic nature of if I had this relationship with somebody and they sent me this email, how would it make me feel? And are you saving enough time to make up for the difference? If I'm saving 30 minutes, but I'm making someone feel cold, that 30 minutes, that's an investment. I should have just written them. I, I should have just DM'd them if we're close enough, you know? Like if you have someone's, if you text to people and then you send them like an email list, that's weird. Like you can intimately find me and you chose to do this. I thought we were different. Yeah, it's, 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 it's weird, but you have to think about it in that perspective. It's very easy to get into the, into the um, system of we have to automate absolutely everything. And so much of my job is automate what I can but be protective of what is relationship. Be protective of what is tied to emotion and tied to like really thoughtful experience. You, you have to think about that because the person on the other end, even if they're doing it unconsciously, like subconsciously, they're going to think like, why am I getting, <laughs> why am I getting this email? <laughs> right. And you, and you did it and they opened it because they know it's from you. And they're like, oh, it's from Christina. How is she? Oh, it's a it's template. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Shoot. What part do you automate then? I'm curious. Like you, a lot of this emotional relationship building is like, is it more like the admin stuff? Like, you know, like Zap? I'm not entirely sure. Like what, what part? So we have, so we have some admin stuff. Um, so like for Gamified, one of the things that we have automated is when you get to different points, like the more points you get, the different scales you get. So you get like to different levels. So when you get to that new level, basically like you want a thank you or congratulations. And like, what does this mean? Like, what else do I get? So that's automated. And then I go in there and I check. And if there's anyone that I see that I know was like doing a lot of work and I'm seeing all this stuff, I'm like, I should go and say hi anyway. Just be like, hey. Saw you poking around, saw you doing some challenges, saw you talking about us on Twitter, like all the things. The other thing too is just like, you don't even have to reach out. You just have to acknowledge. I, if you looked at my LinkedIn page, 90% of my content is sharing other people's content. Because what I'm saying is this is like, I don't even need to add myself to the conversation, but I'm going to heart it. I'm going to share it. I'm going to amplify you. And I've had multiple people come up to me to be like, I just love that you amplify our stuff. 
Like you see, like you saw it said HubSpot and you saw it was positive and you're like, whoop, all right, it gets, it gets shared. And that's the thing though, is that there's a lot of people working on personal brand. There's a lot of people who want to share really great content that may or may not get seen, but I do have a decent following. It's not crazy, but I have a decent following. And so that means that more people that follow me that know the HubSpot ecosystem are going to see that. Why wouldn't I want their voice louder? You're going to help people do build a workflow when they hate workflows? I have to share that. I'm going to make someone's day better. They're going to have one less headache because of a video I found and shared. That's amazing. And so it's just those little things. It doesn't have to be a lot. It just has to be a touch point. I see you. I heart you. This is wonderful. Yeah, it's just the little things. Just sharing UGC. Just it's it's wild to me how brands... They'll share a meme, but they won't share quality UGC. That's true. From someone yeah. saying how great their product is, and that's something that people will believe. Yeah, it's weird to me. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that. That totally makes sense. Uh, for people who are not familiar with uh, the term UGC, is user generated content, and it really is like empowering people. Uh, you, you talk about the hierarchy, particularly. Just on this topic, it's interesting that I feel like the reason why. Uh, this is pushed towards automation sometimes is like, you know, this whole rush to grow quickly and grow fast. So how do you do that? Let's just like sp spam message. <laughs> let's let's yeah. just send a bunch of emails to people to get them on uh, increased engagement get them to sign up for this community. And it just feels disingenuous. I think when that is approached and I really love your, your take here. Which ties back to I'm curious what metrics you're you're looking at. Um, do you do you have any specific metrics that you look at in terms of, um, you know, community growth or you know those badges for those gamification or um, it could even be like retention or number of advocates. I'm curious exactly what you you and your team looks at and what you report up to. So. In 2021, when I started, it was very much like, let's get this launched. Let's see what we can do. Let's see if it works. Let's see how people react to this. Um, and then last year, it was very much, let's grow it. And we've we've been very lucky. Like I said, we have a very passionate community and fan base. And so like the growth is there. So now it's more about like elevating it and getting to the next level. What are the opportunities that we can have? What are the measurements that we can have beyond growth, beyond like how many members are what does engagement look like? What kind of thoughtful conversations are being had? Are there learnings that our product team is getting from this group? Are there beta testers? Is there evidence? Do we have quotes, testimonials? Do we have videos? What are we doing to be able to delight them? And then how can that con those conversations and, and information lead to more sales or drive retention or provide opportunities for us to improve our roadmap? And so it's based at the end of the day, it's turned into how can we have voice of the customer drive more business impact? And what it winds up turning into is how can we take an external opportunity and have it take care of an internal need? Because having you can never have too much of a voice of the customer, knowing what matters to them, knowing what they would pay more for, knowing what current challenges that they're having. Because the voice of the customer, like, it's even just in the past three years. The, the outside variables that are impacting our customers are changing. There's been a lot of customers who like would love to be customers, but maybe they've had layoffs. Maybe they've had to downsize. Maybe they were a part of the bank failings that happened earlier this year. And because of that, like they had to completely change their trajectory and plan. There's a lot of external forces that are, that are working on your voice of the customer. 
And the challenges that they're facing in Q3 this year could be very different than Q1 last year. So you can't think like, all right, well, I got the quote. We're good. We're done. We're out. Like, I don't need to talk to him for like five, 10 years. You need to keep them close because there's going to be so many variables you can't control. And so like the market is impacting a lot of businesses right now. And so you have to control what you can control. So how can we make sure our voices, our voice of the customer is loud? How can we make sure they feel seen and heard and appreciated? How can we improve our product and make sure that it's aligning with the problems and challenges that our customers are having? And so that is that is the constant work that we're doing is how can we make sure that work we're doing is continuing to solve for the customer? And I'm guessing your team is like you and your team are championing that voice now to the product, to the, uh, to the content team. To the, Is that exactly what's happening now? You're meeting with other teams or like pack, how do you package this up so that other teams can can use that voice of customer that you're, you're hearing through, through socials as well as through this community? Well, it's, it depends. So it depends because their needs are just as different as our, as our customers are. So they might need like, hey, if we're going to do a campaign, what does that look like on social? Or if we're going to do this at Inbound, how are we creating a space and experience for them versus the traditional attendee? How are we talking about this for sales team? Can we package up some quotes and and share content they can then easily share with prospects who would love to hear testimonials. And so basically, just as we're taking care of the customers and making sure that we're, we're really solving for their needs in a, essentially like in the way that they need it, we're not trying to do like one fail swoop that's going to take care of everybody. We also don't do that with our internal team. So it really comes down to having those very clear guardrails of what do you need and how can, how can the voice of the customer answer that need? And then what does that packaging look like for you? Is it a Slack channel where we'll post things? Is it, a, is it a landing page? Is it a webinar? Is it like whatever that looks like to them? And then providing that for them. Mm. And I can totally see that. Uh, I also could see this as like, you know, do you find that people who are part of Hub Funds are more power users? So like it actually increases power, you know, product usage as well. Uh, or I... Or is it the other way around where like higher product usage people, people are actually use, actively using um, HubSpot more often than the average customer uh, actually join HubFans? Or maybe there's like a relationship between the two where the people who are in HubFans, like they see use cases and challenges. And because of that, they're like, they, I guess, use it more than the average It's a little bit of both. Yeah. So what we have is we have, obviously, we have the power users who are like, they got it. They want to know more. They want to share. They want to do all the things. So we definitely have that contingency. But then we also have this group of people who, um, because of being a Hub fan, a lot of like Gamified, for example, there's updates on features that are coming out. There's check out our latest ebook or check out this latest video from so-and-so. And so we're providing educational tools directly to them. They go to one place and they're like, here is all the things I can learn about in one place. And so it also encourages them to become power users. So we're seeing that mix of power users kind of elevating themselves. And then we also see people who are, they're in the trenches, but they're, they're saying, all right, I need to increase my usage. I need to be able to squeeze more out of this. How do I do that? Here is this think tank fans that can answer my questions for the stuff that like maybe I've looked on Google and YouTube and I don't know what this answer is, which means it's highly technical, 
Well, here's this group of power users that I can tap into because we are all fans. I can ask them questions and walk me through it. And so it's just really lovely to be able to see that. And the, the nature of our hub fans is that they're incredibly giving. And so they want to help each other. There's, I've been in communities where like you ask a question and they like just <laughs> judge you. Like the scowl is immediate. Oh, no. <laughs> and here, right. here with hub fans, everyone's so lovely. Like you ask a question and everyone's like pitching in. How can you help? What do you need? I have, I have a framework for this. Or let me show you what we did. Or do you want to hop on a Zoom and I'll walk you through it and show you, share my screen? Things like that. That's really like special. That's very hard to find. And so you have this, you have this really nice intersection of advocacy and community where they do the work of advocates, but they treat each other like a community, which is really lovely. That's good. That's, that's great to hear that. And I'm I'm guessing also there's like what's the relationship between Hub Fans and HubSpot Academy? Like, does is there like links to? Because I feel like that they kind of they really work head in hand with each other almost. They do. So we do have some of our um, some of our trainers. So we have some of the HubSpot trainers. Um, they are in some of the HubSpot Academy videos. They also have boot camps that they do. And some of those trainers are in our Hub Fans program because obviously they love the product and they know it quite well. And so we also work really well with the Academy because they also want to feature people who are not just professors and not just HubSpotters. So we've had Hub Fans who've been who've been presented as experts. Um, we had one person who, um, absolutely amazing, she was in our Facebook advertising um, course when it was revamped. And what's really lovely and goes to that hierarchy model is um, when, it got, when it got published and she was able to share that she was a featured expert in it, it wasn't like, hey, check this out. And it wasn't even like the LinkedIn, like, I am so humbled to dot, to dot, to dot. You know what I'm talking about. Um, it wasn't that. It was, this is a career milestone. This is how I know I've made it because I was featured in this. And so um, it's really lovely to be able to to be able to have these opportunities and have people who are like, they're not just there. Like they're brilliant and they are funny and they are kind and they want to help. They're helpers. And so it's it's really fulfilling to be able to open those doors for them to be like, do you want to be in a HubSpot Academy video? Do you want to teach a boot camp and teach people how to do something? Um, it's it's really lovely. But like you said, there's there's a really great connection between HubSpot Academy and um, Hub fans. The HubSpot Academy team is incredibly talented and and kind. Um, and it's all about it's all about elevating people. Both both groups elevate people, and so it's 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 fantastic working with them. It seems like there's so this this Hub fan became like a HubSpot professor. It seems like there's like a traditionally we think about career paths but there's like a community member path almost where there you is, come in yeah. oh is there is is there really like do you have that mapped out somewhere where like you have it in your or is it more like it's it's uh, informal where like you start off as a member then you're you respond to a few your contributor then i guess at the highest level you're a correspondent or you know you can teach something so we have, um, we do have like internal documents for like our customer journey. So just like we would do a customer journey, we have advocate journey, we have a community member journey. But I think what's been really lovely is HubSpot proves that they pay attention to the people that are in their community. Um, I was a fan of HubSpot before I joined and was asked to join Devin Bellamy, who founded Black at Inbound. He was a ma major fan of HubSpot and is brought on and he's done amazing things. And so what you see is when you're when you're working with all these people, there is this general love of the brand 
and of the product and the people that that make it possible. And so it's it's it doesn't always happen, but it's lovely to be able to see people who've kind of grown from the outside in because of their relationship with with us and like what they're learning. You you keep bringing up stuff. What what is the advocacy journey or the customer the customer member journey? I mean, you don't have to like list it out yeah. uh, specifically, but like this kind of piqued my interest that it's different from the customer uh, journey itself, or it could be like a micro part of it. Yeah. So when we're thinking about advocates or we're thinking about community members, we think about like, all right, they've joined or they're in our ecosystem in some capacity. And then what do you look at to determine like how are they growing as a community member or how are they growing as an advocate? So it could be it's very behavior based. So it's are they answering questions in the community or are they tweeting about us or creating YouTube images? I mean, YouTube videos or posting on TikTok. What are they doing and are they doing more of it? And what does it take to get them to do more? Is it that maybe they need they don't know what to post? It could be that they need encouragement. It could be that um, they don't know how to like edit video. Is that, a, is that an opportunity for us to have like, there's a video hug that's all about like using video marketing. Like what are the opportunities that we can get in front of them so that, because a lot of time it's not, it's not a lack of will. It's a lack of something else. Either I don't know, or I'd make it, but like no one's going to see it. So like, what's the point? Well, I can help with that. I can amplify it. So like, what are the different motivators that are, and what are the different um, friction points for people to be able to get to that next level? And then how can we, as community leaders and advocacy leaders, how can we remove those barriers for them to get them to the next level, making sure that the whole time we're adding more and more value for them? Because it isn't just like we need them to do more for us. It's, well, as they do more, what do they get out of it? Like, what's, what's the why for them? Because it can't just be that they want to like edit YouTube videos all day because I know that that's not it. So like what's in it for them? Do they want to be a thought leader? Do they do they want to do they want to present an inbound? Do they do they want to create a podcast and be a part of the podcast network one day? Like understanding like where are they headed? Where are their goals? So I, I talk to my I talk to my advocates quite a lot to figure out like what's going on? What's happening? And the, the beginning of this year, the first quarter. I had a meeting with with our advocates to just say, like, it's been a really tough quarter. Some of you have lost your job. Some of you are worried you'll lose your job. Some of you are just burned out and tired. And so a conversation of like, what are you struggling with right now? Where are your challenges? What can we do to make you feel better? What's What are your new motivations? And so things like that, just keeping them close. I'm going to say, like, keep your customer voice close really a lot of times, but it's worth saying every single time. Um. Knowing like what motivates them, what's their carrot? Because I think that I think it's very easy to assume that all people have the same carrot and they don't. How many uh, people were in that? Um, I guess how many advocates do you actively follow up or like are part of this? Do you have a separate group for advocates? Like it's like a higher, I guess, a mm -hmm. different group. Oh, how, how so many? we have. So we have um, we have a community group for our hub fans. We have active hub fans in our gamify that may or may not be in the community. And then we have our Hub Fans Council, which is our top tier, which is the people who are like top of the top. Like they've done everything <laughs> that they've I've ever asked. Right. They've they've been like, do you want me to color my face purple and like <laughs> yell? I'll do it. Um, 
That's funny. Um, so they get they get like every opportunity I could find for them. Um, so we have we, I I don't know if I can divulge the numbers. We have thousands. We have we have we have tens of thousands in gamified. Um, we have thousands in the community, um, and then we have hundreds in the um, in the top tier tier level. That's cool that it's like a higher like this is what you're talking about, what I was talking about like a, some kind of like uh, progression. Yes. So that's super cool. Yeah. In terms of like you, I'm I don't I'm calling it the hierarchy, Christina's hierarchy of delight. <laughs> like how, what's your advice to companies who are can help their customers? Like I guess move up that hierarchy. Maybe right now they're at the lowest because like at the lowest customers are there because they're getting something functionally from the product. But like how do we? What are your advice for them to get their customers up higher um, and make them love the product enough to become advocates? I would not take, like, look at the MPS scores, like you said, or look at the MPS, not scores, that's duplicated. Um, but look at the MPS, see, like, what are people saying in their things? Mm. So if they're giving you a high MPS, are they providing why it's high if it's low? Or are they providing it's low if it's middle? Why are they providing it's middle? What's really interesting is that people triage the bottom and they will praise the top. Yeah. And the growth is in the middle. And NPS is an Oreo cookie. And I need mm. you to go to the cream first. Go to the center. Because that is where the growth is. That's the people who are like, they don't hate you. Yeah. But they could love you, but they don't. Go to the cream. Go there first. And figure out what's working, what's not working. And take care of them. Because it's very easy to fall into the, we're going to take care of the I love yous and we're going to take care of the I hate yous. But it's very hard to turn someone I hate you to I love you. But you could turn a meh into an I love you significantly quicker. I'm not saying you need to ignore the others, but you need to make space and time for those people because those are the people who usually get ignored. In social listening, if you're doing social listening, it's the neutral that a lot of people ignore. They'll go straight to the escalation ones for negative or they'll go straight to the positives to praise those and like retweet those and get those out. Need to look at the neutrals. Mm. Why are they okay but not happy? Yeah. Why are they this will do? Yeah. But also those are the ones that are gonna leave. Interesting. Those are yeah. the ones those are the ones who are gonna leave because the ones who hate you are gonna leave as soon as they can. <laughs> the ones yeah. they're gonna leave as soon as the contract expires. The ones who are in the middle, as soon as a competitor says anything, they're out. Because you just have to be better than mid. You don't have to be great. You just have to be better than mid. There's a lot of opportunity in the cream of the Oreo. Go there. Spend some time there. Mm. Who is okay? Yeah. And, really and figure out how you can get them to the next level. Yeah. And figure out like, yeah, how you can get them there. What what do they need? What are the problems they have? Um, and then you're talking about in that, that hierarchy, like start off you know, do you offer them swag? Like, what are your thoughts around that at some point? You know, obviously that's like not yeah. necessarily the carrot that they're looking for, but like really figuring out what is it that they need there. So I love swag, <laughs> but you have to be very thoughtful about swag. Yeah. So for example, there's two, there's two things with swag that a lot of people take for granted. One, there's dopamine. Yeah. The first piece of swag you get from a company will always have the biggest dopamine hit. Mm. And everything after that will have less and less and less. So 
it's it has diminishing returns. So if you keep giving someone a hoodie or a Yeti or something, they're going to be like, Th- thanks, thanks. But it never feels as good as the first time you gave them something. So you have to remember that. You're not making the same headway that you thought you were. Two, people know what things cost. So if I got you this like massive $10,000 deal and you give me a $35 cup, <laughs> at first I'll be like, thank you, that's super cool. And second of all, I'll be like, you're going to have to bring a little bit more than this. And that, that's why I don't like transactional stuff. Swag can turn transactional really quickly. I love swag for delight, for surprise and delight. I don't like swag for exchanging things because things start feeling transactional very quickly. And when it's opportunities or delight, it's like, oh, this is really lovely. And I don't think that like I've done 10 things to get this $35 cup. I just think, oh, they, they notice. That's really cute. That's nice. Versus if I do a call, and then I get a cup, I know that that call equates to a cup. And so I will stop doing those calls or whatever you need me to do once that cup is not worth the time. And so I love swag, not, not fighting swag. But you need to remember those two things. And it all, it all comes down to human behavior and behavioral psychology. It's like, how does this impact people and how is it going to impact people over time? And how do you need to be aware of that as you're nudging people? And so, yeah, you just got to you got to keep that in mind. Because as soon as someone says like they'll send um, gift cards for people and they'll take the first couple bites and then after that they stop doing it. And they're like, why did they stop? I thought they were engaged. It stopped being worth what you were offering. You, you, you set the post for what it was equal to. And as soon as that wasn't enough for them, they stopped. And that's why like relationship is so much better. Because like mm-hmm. it's it's beyond extrinsic reward. There's like this deep mm-hmm. like we we talk about love, but this respect and friendship built. And you're more willing to do something for a friend than you are to do something for a fifty dollar gift card. Hopefully, <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for sharing. I actually want to shift gears and talk about career power ups. That's like something that's helped you accelerate your career. Now you've had an interesting. Career, you actually, I think I looked back, you started off as a teacher and then you got into marketing. Now you work at this amazing company, HubSpot, as principal marketing manager for their hub fans and their, uh, their, their you know, advocacy programs. I'm curious, what's a thing that helped you accelerate your career? It could be something soft like, you know, being, being friends with more people or something more uh, like a hard marketing skill, but it could be anything that's helped you get a leg up as a marketer. I think for me, what's been very helpful is I've been very vocal about my thoughts on things. I'm very particular about how I say them. Like I don't go out and drag people, but I think it's I think it's important to have a clear point of view. It doesn't mean you need to be an influencer. It doesn't need, mean that you have to work on your personal brand, but it does help when people outside of your circle know what you are about and what you think of and like what your what your perspective of things are. The other is. You cannot get in your own head and think that people are thinking about you more than they are because they're not. A lot of people will think that their career is being held down because people don't like them when what it is is that they're so busy they may not see all the things that you do. So documenting your work and managing up 
to show like, here's all the things I'm working on and here's the business impact I'm creating. Like there's a, there's a quote from Steve Martin that I absolutely adore. And it's, it literally is like the cornerstone of my career. And it's be so good. They can't ignore you. Mm, So good. Yeah. If you aren't documenting your success and you're not documenting what you're bringing to the business, how else, like no one's going to advocate for you the way you will advocate for you. You can still be humble about it. You don't have to like brag all over the place, but you do need to stand firm and socialize the work that you're doing and know what is important to the business. So you need to, what was really helpful, I got my MBA and what was incredibly helpful about it was, is it let me look from a business lens. It's very easy for marketers to get stuck and think about just what they need to do from a marketing perspective, but you need to be able to talk about your work from a business impact perspective. From like the overall business, how are you making things move? How are you driving impact? What KPIs are you looking at that leadership cares about that you are playing a role in that may not be a KPI that you specifically are measuring for you, but you know that it's leading mm-hmm. to things for other teams that are, that are measuring and looking at KPIs. Having that perspective to be able to look at your own work, but then be able to look at it in this bigger space and talk those talks, priceless. It's something that April Dunford actually mentioned in episode one as a career power-up too. Like she worded as marketers need to get their head out of marketing yes. <laughs> and look at the bigger picture. You know, yes. sometimes it's just 100%. love creating, love doing the community, mm-hmm. love doing this, that, you know, you mentioned what is the impact of this to, you know, voice of the customer to the product to to cs and you know maybe creating some more content in the hubspot academy and so Uh this is exactly what you're talking about here yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of shiny things in marketing and you expect because you see how shiny it is and how lovely it is that everyone else is going to see how great it is and then you're shocked when leadership's like why like yes it's shiny but like but why should i care and being able to think about it from that perspective of like, what's in it for them? Incredibly important. And also the other thing that I've, I've learned that's been very hard, difficult for me to learn. I love to write. I love to talk, as you can tell. So people be like, so what are you up to? And I'll write a thesis. I'll write Odysseus. <laughs> Leadership does not care. Leadership does not want to see that. Leadership, no. So if you have updates, go into like chat GBT or AI or whatever tool you're doing. Write your breakdown. <laughs> Summarize. And then tell ChatGPT, like, summarize this for this level of person. Tell me the main things that I'm talking about here and give me the main points in bullet point form. Be as simple as possible because I will literally write the Bible. And they're like, I want three bullets. Just give me three bullets, Christina. Okay. Do you, act, do you actually use ChatGPT for that? That's super interesting. I use, I use HubSpot's. I use HubSpot's oh. content assistant for that because I got to keep it in-house. Yeah, but, makes um, sense. <laughs> but I would recommend that. I, yeah. I think I posted on that at LinkedIn a, a few a few weeks ago because um, it's very true. ICs, because ICs want everyone to see what they're doing. Like, I'm doing all this work. You may not know. Like, I need to tell you everything. And leadership's like, I got... Four seconds. I got, I'm about to go into another meeting. I got four seconds. What do I need to know? Is there a blocker? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Big, That's... big advice I would give. Do that because 
Because you think that because they're going to summarize it if you don't. And they may not pick the things that you think are important. <laughs> and then you're like, but why did you? Oh, okay. Because you summarized my 10 pages into like two sentences. And it's not the two sentences I would choose. If you enjoyed this episode, you'd love the Marketing Power-Ups newsletter. I share the actionable takeaways and break down the frameworks of world-class marketers. You can go to marketingpowerups.com to subscribe and you'll instantly unlock the three best frameworks that top marketers use to hit their KPIs consistently and wow their colleagues. I want to say thank you to you for listening and please like and follow Marketing Power Ups on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. If you feel extra generous, kindly leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave a comment on YouTube. Goes a long way in others finding out about Marketing Power Ups. Thanks to Mary Sullivan for creating the artwork and design. And thank you to Faisal Kaigo for editing the intro video. And of course, thank you for listening. That's all for now. Have a powered update. Marketing power-ups until the next episode